Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. What's going on, Mech Warriors? It's the winter season, so let's keep your audio systems hot where we talk about the Alpha Strike box set. Surprise stand in for one of the co hosts. Oh, yeah. So, what's going on, co host Denim? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's been a good week. Dustin is currently stuck in customs, apparently trying to take contraband on a dropship to the jump ship. That's a no-no, apparently. So he's he's out again. He's being detained with little air quotes. <laughs> is it air quotes if it's in space? <laughs> space quotes. There you go. Vacuum quotes. Vacuum quotes. Oh, man. Let's just get this going because we actually do have some end of the year hobby news, some hobby progress, games played, and the regular coolant flush to keep everybody going. So let's start out with some news. We've got Rec Guide 28 out. It has some things in it for sure. Oh, it definitely has things. What? what yeah. When I say things, what do you think about in this Rec Guide? Well, well, it's got like new battle armor in it, which we don't see very often. It has new inner sphere battle armor. I mean, is the Franck Regis Inner Sphere? It, it's not clan. <laughs> it's not clan, but it's periphery. It's okay, the, but peripheral. Ooh, yeah, that's you're true. right. Periphery is not Inner Sphere. Yeah. <laughs> Technicality win. Yeah, you are technically correct. Best kind of correct. Yeah, the 10 star battle armor for the Franck Regis. Mm, I like the aesthetic. Yeah, well, it looks it looks fine. I mean, it, the, the whole 10 star is because, you know, it's supposed to be like the, the sheriffs and in, in the 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 frontier type police force uh were, were the ones who were using it in the what periphery. are those mechs that they were using that are like thunderbolts but not thunderbolts that they use as like the cop mech around there marshals the marshal mech that would make sense it's it's too close that's why your brain can't figure it yes. out but yeah they use like a modified cheaper thunderbolt it's like patrol so yep. is that supposed to kind of go with them it it Aesthetically, I would say 100% because that's what it looks like. I, I always love new battle armor type things. I just don't like this one. Is it the David Goss rifle? It's the weapons. It is the weapons. You don't like the David Light Goss and the support I, PPC? Co- correct. I would rather it have two of one. I don't mind if it's either one, but but I don't like having two different uh, damage and range uh, brackets for for weapons on battle armor, I mean, for it's, ease it's, of play, I want it to be all the same. It's not efficient enough for you. <laughs> it, that, exactly, exactly. Well, the 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 support PPC is two damage. The Gauss is one damage. Um, the PPC is two five seven, and the Gauss is three five eight. So if you're firing a a squad of four, you know you you've got to look at both the damages. You've got to look at both the uh, the ranges, um, and then and then you have to so you have to it's just a lot of extra thinking about it instead of just rolling a bunch of dice and saying, do, do I hit? And this is how much damage I did. That's why you use the, you use the second version, the mag shot cross rifle and the support PPC, which are both okay. two damage, two damage. Also different range, <laughs> different brackets, range brackets. We got three, six, nine and two, five, seven. So you're Man. still, you can yeah. just tell all the people, all the newer players who are like, I want to run 10 star battle armor. And you're like, no, you don't roll fast enough. Yeah, that's what it happens. So I, I say pick a weapon, put two of those on, 
and make, make four different variants so you can have all the weapons i don't care but uh <laughs> but i just i just don't like the mixed weapons on on battle armor like that i just i just don't i mean you could argue that regular elementals have mixed range and damage loadouts um if they had a, like a an er small laser and a micro pulse laser one on each arm it would bother me just as much but having srms <laughs> and a, a a small laser that doesn't bother me at all i don't see your logic but i don't let's just, let's just move <laughs> on um but i guess this is like more of a front exclusive battle armor anyways yes and yeah, like you said, there's two different versions. There's the cheap version, and then there's the special version of which there's only a few of. Um, so if you read the history of it, it which is also in the rec guide, it, it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, more than what I want to go over right now. But I, I say <laughs> pick it up and read it, and, and you'll be like, huh, that's weird. All right. What else we got in there? We got a the Whirlwind Baby Hovercraft. Yeah. <laughs> The scout. They call it a scout hover tank. He's just a little guy. Several variants. One uh, one that carries infantry. One that's for anti-air. Light AC-2s. Yep. Light AC-2s and uh, and ultra AC-2s. Where's Dustin? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear him. I mean, I can hear him in the other room screaming about it because he hears us. Okay. So the big thing about light AC-2s is you can use alternate ammunition what ammunition are you putting on your hovercraft you got one ton of light ac ammo um i mean that's all you need because that's are got you taking armor four. piercing are you taking precision caseless god caseless no not caseless because who needs who needs 90 shots for that thing um dustin no, screaming no me me yeah pick me i i think for this guy it you know it can chase down those light ones so i, I would say precision or you're right, like it's it's light enough to to uh, avoid the being hit by heavies and assaults. So if you use armor piercing, you can just drive around the big guys and just get crits all day long. Crits all day long on twelves, right? Yeah, it is it is up there, but uh, yeah, because the AC two, so it's it's a uh, it's a yeah on twelves. <laughs> uh, Don't do that. It does um, carry it does carry four tons of infantry. I mean, that's a squad of battle armor. Drop your. Uh, Drop your tin stars back there. Oh yeah. So precision, precision ammo would be would be the best. Yeah, because it's also got the two ER medium lasers. So yep. you're going to be fighting at range. You still want to stay alive as a hovercraft. <laughs> it's got okay armor, but um, it's like, like twenty per side. That, that's pretty good for a hovercraft, though. It's not bad. Okay, talk to me about the next thing. Why are they including the long tom artillery into the wreck guides? Oh, well, yeah, that's um, that's an interesting story. Very few things about Battletech ever change. But the uh, the existing record sheets for the long tom are invalid under the current rule set. There have been changes that have been made that make it invalid. They did include those um, those stats on the Battletech uh, website, the bg.battletech.com. Mm-hmm. So you, you've always been able to download those ever since those changes happened, but now they're putting in them into the rec guide to make sure that everybody sees them so that you don't just have to find them on the download site on that webpage. Okay. So this is like, I don't want to say, are they reselling us sheets? I wouldn't say they're reselling them because, because you can go, you could still go download them if you want, but now they're, now they're official, you know, in an official book, whereas before they were not. Okay. 
So if you're pay if you're buying the rec guides, you're you're buying the convenience to have them all in one nice little place. But yeah, you can anybody can just go to the to the website and download them for free right now. Um, then we've got the. How did I know this was a Steiner vehicle? <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I'll tell you what's its name. Stormfjord. Yes, Steiner. Sh- Steiner. It's a it's a heavy LRM carrier. It's yeah, eighty five tons. Um, not as many LRMs as an LRM carrier, but but still a lot. But it gives you that Artemis, so that you know that adds up. Also, those clan LRM twenties. Oh yeah, yeah, they could have crammed a lot more on there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a six nine six, for a four six that does two LRM twenties, the battle value is good. If you just need missiles. Yeah, and it's definitely got the armor. 69 on the front. It's there to party. <laughs> but yeah, this was like a weird wreck guide, I thought, because it was like, okay, we've got no new mechs. This is all vehicles. We even have battle armor instead. Um, no new mechs, but it does have it does have new variants of like four older mechs. Yeah, we've got what the Firestarter, the Spectre, the Cicada, and the Devastator. And yes. all their art, of course, looks good. Yep, yep, all new art, all looks great. Devastator does a charge for for 70 points of damage cuz it has both mask and a supercharger. Thanks. And it's I 100 hate tons. It. Yeah, that's that's the one that you put like the five gunnery and the two piloting guy in there and just have them run around and charge people. Yep, I like it a lot. I should say that there's actually an Aero 4 version of the Sturmfjar, so they were like, what missile do you like? Because we have a version of it with it. <laughs> oh, the Arrow 4 one has five Thunderbolts in there as well, which is great. I mean, if you're putting in big missile, why don't you That's put right. in second big missile? That's right. It's just so many big missiles. All right. What's next? <laughs> I add this in because it made me angry so many times, which is CGL, you piece of crap store. I don't want to type holiday 2022 every time I go to you. Yeah, get a cookie. I mean, save that. <laughs> like I typed it once. That should be enough. Do not remind me for the next 30 days. There were 12 takes of this and I screamed for every single one. But yeah, uh, in another store news, we have the Steel Warrior Studios sale going on right now. And that oh, it's is, on sale? Uh, yeah. So right now, all the Steel Warrior Studio STLs are 50% off. And that's because Steel Warrior Studios specifically is going out of business. That was some rough stuff. Apparently, that's because of uh, not reading the fine print, uh, making a couple of bad decisions, and also having a lot of just plain bad luck. So it does happen, which is sad. Yeah, I almost want to say it's a suffering from success kind of story. Oh, like- yeah, it definitely grew way faster than than uh, than expected. And I agree. I think I think the uh, the. I was going to say the people, it's just a person. And that's another problem. Is it the one person who was in charge of steel warrior made some bad decisions because uh, he was just trying to grow the business as fast as it needed to be. It pays to hire a good lawyer. But uh, I wish them the best, but currently Thunderhead uh, will be taking over and selling their products. So none of the STLs, as far as I'm aware, will be like being deleted or going out of existence. That is correct. However, um, Thunderhead, uh, who, who sells a great many things under the Steel Warrior name, during all of this, especially the sale, Thunderhead has decided that during this this time, you know, during the the fifty percent off sale, 
He is going to ignore uh, any money owed to him under consignment and, and just, just make sure that, that Steel Warriors gets all of the profits from his product, uh, which may actually slow down him transitioning his STL rights to, to his store that he is in the, you know, currently in the process of developing. But he assures us that they will all be moved over eventually. It will just, you know, take longer than originally anticipated. Um, he has a lot of uh, a lot of things in the works too, but he is you know taking it a bit slower and making sure that he doesn't make the same sorts of mistakes. So we will be able to get a hold of all of the SDLs and the uh, the three D prints are going to be sold again, uh, just under a different name. We won't lose anything; it's just going to take a bit of time for the dust to settle. That's good. And and I say I say kudos to, to Thunderhead for for doing that too. I think that is that is uh, super nice, and that's not something he had to do. Uh, what else do we have? We've got Mega Mech forty nine point eleven. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and but why is this one nice? Well, this is the long awaited Alpha Strike edition of Mega Mech. Okay, this is not Mega Strike. This is not the you cannot play Alpha Strike on this. When they do, they have told us that it is going to be named Mega Strike. This is not that, but it is the next best thing. You can sort by Alpha Strike stats on Mega Mech. You can print slash export your custom mechs and make the cards with them automatically using the most up-to-date rules for, for units. It is amazing, too. At any, any of the units that are in there, you can bring them up, look at the Alpha Strike card, and then if you want to, see the calculations that they that they use to convert it so there's no question you know why is this 49 points well here's the answer here's all the 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 entire breakdown of the mech turning it into an alpha strike card well you see the short damage gets added then you have to take the medium damage add that twice and then the long damage then you gotta add the defensive battle value of that and then convert it to an alpha strike points yeah nobody wants to do that i'm gonna be honest yeah, but now I mean you can you can design your own mech and then Mega Mech will convert it to Alpha Strike for you, which is super nice. That's the that's the good part, but the like sleeper part is being able to sort. So this makes tournaments and just regular play so much better when it's like I want a four damage short, four damage medium, and one that damage long. I want a specific yes. thing. I want it to be this point level and I want it to do these multiple things and i can search that and it gives me all the options that fit that criteria and i mean they've already been doing some some master unit list integration and this is this makes it just better i'm excited to see where they go from here and that's convenient because the alpha strike box set is now in retail (laughs) it's a great timing (laughs) it is yeah so it's hitting stores merry christmas everyone i hope you enjoy your alpha strike box sets which we'll talk about later any other news, or is that pretty much wrap it up for the end of 2022? Uh, I was going to say it's been a slow news thing, but we actually did talk about quite a few news things, so there was there was quite a bit. But I think news is important. All. all right, here, here's the hard question: Denim, have you gotten any hobby progress done since the last episode? I punched everything out in my Alpha Strike box set. I bought Alpha Strike box set that kept you. We know that purchasing counts as hobby progress. Buying is. Is hobby progress technically? <laughs> yep, I, I glued my my tripod super heavy together and primed it, but uh, have not finished any painting. No, I'm gonna be real. I haven't done anything. <laughs> it's okay. You okay, deserve no, a break. That's you not, did a lot. That's not true. That's not true. Never mind. I tried out a airbrush primer, like primer that goes through the airbrush instead of rattle can. 
I liked that. It was oh nice. I felt like it had much nicer coverage than the rattle can because the rattle can's applying it so fast and I don't want to overspray it. But with an airbrush, I have much finer control. So I could like, oh, I've already hit this one spot. Well, I can just depress and hit to the next spots. I can go 360 around and it's drying as it's going. I need to use my airbrush more. That's what I need. It so is, a good airbrush primer. I'm I'm all about uh, trying that out. It's a cheat code for getting stuff done to them. How are you not using it more? Uh, we'll get into that, but uh, <laughs> I think I think the answer, the short answer, is the compressor. That's that's what I'm going to say. When we get to that, I'm a I'm a still say that you got no excuses, <laughs> but but uh, I also aliquoted out my Snow Raven starter binary, whatever what I want to call the grouping of mechs and battle armor and i threw some primer on those and then i threw a base coat on a few of them i want i'm still on the picking out a test base coat which is hard because i thought i picked one out i like but it was too light like it was a lighter like bluish gray need more battle armor yeah i know i need more battle armor i need other things too so uh but yeah so i'm still picking out a base color for that i went with a too light of a base color i think and i actually hit it with a wash through the airbrush, which kind of mm-hmm. toned it back down. And I don't know if I like that or not. And I'm like, I'm in that, I'm in the holding pattern. Do I like it? Do I try to get a darker color and then just use what I have as like the layer, like the next highlight? I don't know. It's tough. It's, it's tough yeah. wanting to paint like dark blue gray. Because I yeah. look, I, I matched, I did like the color matching and it was like, oh, this is what you've been painting all year. Like and I was like, no, like visually, steel blue gray slash teal does not look like all the sea foxes I painted this year. Right. I mean, you put them next to each other and they definitely look different. But uh, but if you're the one painting them, you're just like, this looks so familiar. This yeah. feels familiar. I also wouldn't um, like it because then I'd be like, wow, I'm literally painting the exact same thing. Right. With the Alpha Strike box, I asked my kids what color I should paint them, and they said purple. So I guess I'm doing these guys Merrick. So it's either going to be Merrick and Jade Falcon or Merrick and Wolf. So it's going to be very different color palette than I'm used to painting. So different. That's pretty much it for hobby progress. I got some new stuff to help me do more hobby progress in the new year, but I feel like I'll talk about that when I use it. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Have you gotten any games played? I have. I mean, I've gotten my normal Tuesday night games in, which are always, always fun. Um, you mean your day after Christmas game? Day after the day after Christmas, yeah. That's right. Some of us. You mean, Christmas sorry, Boxing Day. Your, your day after Boxing Day is what I meant. That is correct. I was still at the store on that Tuesday. I still played. It was still fun. How would that game go? I did a demo for Alpha Strike using just the stuff from the box set. Ooh. And, and it went really, really well. I'd say two thumbs up. I mean, I don't have any games, so we can just go right into that now. How did that demoing with the box set go? Okay, so I got the box set a little while ago for Alpha Strike, and I didn't want to do like an opening type of uh, type of review because you know so many people are doing that. You could just go online and see pictures. I wanted to get in there. I wanted to pull the stuff out of the box and actually use it before I gave my thoughts and feelings on this box set. Because that's like, a, we actually use this and we're going to give it our, did it pass the muster? Not just I the... used every single thing in this box. Oh, I yes. Uh, first of all, first impressions, you know, I like the, the mechs that are in there a lot. 
you know, you've got the new, the two new mechs, which are the Pouncer and the Wraith. Most of the mechs have different pose or different weapons. You know, like the, the Locust has small lasers instead of machine guns on it. Uh, the, the Archer has, has uh, lasers mounted underneath his, his arms. You know, another Blackjack. Everybody pose. needs Blackjack, said nobody yeah. ever. There were three mechs that were just right out of other sets, though. The Phoenix Hawk, the Warhammer, and that uh, Timberwolf, they're exactly the same as the ones you've already got. But only three out of 13 mechs, only three of them were repeats. I mean, I could see someone just taking that Phoenix Hawk, Phoenix Hawk and cutting the boosters off, calling it the Karita variant, Mad Cat, you know, I don't know, cut the missile pods in half. Boom, now you got SRMs and uh, yeah, no, easy peasy. Or you can make a, a star of Timberwolves. Who knows? <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like like twenty two hundred BV for that. It's crazy. Uh, we only use the quick start rules that came with it. So even though I've got the Commander's Edition, I, I didn't want to touch that. I wanted to see how the game played just looking up rules in the book. The rules were easy enough to look up. Uh, it was a little bit um, the, the the layout was a little bit different than the Commander's Edition for Alpha Strike, but not too bad. Okay. What are the big differences between the quick start rules and regular Alpha Strike play? It, it is just battle mechs. There's no aerospace. There's no combined arms. There's no uh, battle armor rules. It is basically just giving you, you know, here's how you put mechs on here. Here's how you use objectives. Here's how you set up terrain. Here are some some a series of starter missions to to go through, going from just your standard stand up fight to all kinds of different objectives and goals. So I, I think it does a good job of walking you through how Alpha Strikes should be played because it, it's it really doesn't shine when you're just doing uh, mech on mech battles. You need you need to have objectives, you need to have goals. It, it really helps out a lot. The uh, the thing about the quick start rules, though, are uh, these are not the ones from from the beta version that I had seen before. When the latest uh, errata came out for the commander's edition, they did update this one, so it has those current those current changes in it Ooh. already. So it yeah, has like have the to... heat being removed. At That's the what end. I noticed when I was <laughs> when I was looking in there. Exactly, there is a uh, there's a thing about heat in there like rip the box off and it's like there's I, one I, <laughs> serial offender that i need to make sure died well, well one of yeah one of the mechs uh the, the pouncer has a um it has heat attacks you know it's got flamers and stuff mm-hmm. so of course i went straight to the heat section and sure enough step five after the remove all heat levels and restart the mech um if the mech began the end phase you know in shutdown after all the heat thing it says step five add any external sources of heat which only came out in the latest errata. So it is already in there. You don't have to download any errata for it. It is current as of right now. That's excellent because I hate nothing more than a box set or a rule set come out and it's already invalid and needing a day one patch. Yep. And and the fact that it is a that that they did that, that makes me happy. That just kind of shows that a little bit more love and care went into this. Yeah, it, I, that's one of those things that it is worth releasing it a week or two after it you know they could have just to just to make sure it has all that it also comes with the alpha strike version of the battlefield support deck um, which has the heavy strike in it you can't use it for your other one because it's it's alpha strike damage levels not not classic oh damage boy, levels. you do one damage in groups of one <laughs> yeah but it is there and in uh and i think including that is almost as cool as as in the um 
the clan invasion box of them having two points of elementals, which which I still think is one of the best decisions they could make. But yeah, the battlefield field support, having that in there instead of a separate product, I think that's great. I think that means that more people will start to use those, which I think is super good. They're really trying to push that hard. I don't want to say like aggressively, but like, hey, this is a new thing that we are trying to make more mainstream. And, and as someone who's used them, I'm 100% in. I agree with that 100%. I think everybody should try it out, see what they think. I think it adds a lot of flavor to the games. Classic and Alpha Strike. I, I just think it's a it's a good mechanic and it, it's fun. Talk to me more about those objectives. Like, How are they representing objectives in the Alpha Strike box? Uh, they they actually have sheets of tokens and counters. Uh, they have the ground movement, the jumping movement, the standstill, the immobile, and then they also have three objective, like objective A, B, and C, mm-hmm. of two different colors. So they have six objective markers, little two inch uh, tokens, and then they also have an artillery template. You gotta have an artillery template. You gotta have your pie plate. Yeah, if you include if you include the uh, the battlefield support cards. For a game like Alpha Strike, you should also include all the tokens you would need to use it. But is it the six-inch one for bombs? Carried no, no, it's, it's a little. Armor? It's it's the little two-inch one uh, that has a scatter di- scatter diagram on it. Yep. Okay. Yep, it is the two-inch AOE template for standard artillery. Standard artillery. I see how yes. it is. The mechs included, though. I mean, you've got a mix of super fast, like the uh, the dasher goes thirty inches, unless it sprints, in which it goes forty five inches. But you've got you've got fast ones on both sides, but you also have heavy ones on for both sides as well. So whatever your style or whatever your objective, you'll be able to build a force that that uses mobility or firepower to achieve your goals. I do like the selection of mechs that they gave you. Nice. Let's talk about the missions. As you're going through the rule book, it will say, you know, play this mission first. Uh, if you've never, if you've never played one, like play this scenario first. It's a meet and greet, super, super simple. You know, not a whole lot of terrain. It just goes over the basics to get to get two people familiar with the rules. So you should play if you've never played before. Find a friend, play that, and then never touch it again because everything else you do will be far, you know, will outstrip that. But it gives you a good idea of how it works. Like Alpha Strike is designed to put a lot of mechs on the table and in the meet and greet, you know, the clan side has two mechs and the I was about to side say, has four. Please tell me they're not telling you to, all right, let's use all the, mo- all the models no. in the box set. Right. So, so it's, it's a total of six, but you know, industry has four clan has two, which is way too little for a good game of Alpha Strike, but, but it, you know, it's enough to teach you the rules. And then in the rule book, it goes on to talk about buildings and battlefield support. And then it has a mission that says, play this scenario second. And it you know adds a little bit more. And then it starts talking about force building and your pilots, formations. And, and then it talks about how to, you know, how to set up objectives for your for your game, you know, whatever games you want to play next. So it tells you how to how to determine objectives. Um, and it goes through a couple like objective raid, control the field, destroy the enemy, hold the fort, break through, find the target. If you've played in tournaments like like Nova or Southern Assault, you will reading through these, you will say, oh, yeah, I recognize that type of scenario. So the rules may not be exact, but the template is there. It's got the structure of, of basically your tournament, your tournament objective games. That's good. I just want to know. So is it like how, how are they controlling objectives? That's that's my main thing. 
well, if it's like scanning ones, you have to be within six inches to scan. They have to be within six inches or they have to be touching the token um, base-to-base contact with, with their token, but the tokens are two inches in diameter. Yeah. I just so, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't like they were standardizing that all interactions with objectives are X a far away. Like Yeah, for these because they've got the nice big tokens, you just have to be base-to-base contact. But but the tokens are like kind of a plus sign. So going base to base is like they, they've cut the corners off, so it's more of a it's more mm. of a circle without being a circle. Is it an octagon? The rough shape is an octagon, but uh, like, here I'll, I'll show it to the camera. How many, how many your sides are on these objectives? See, so it's kind of got curves. Why, why would they add curves? This is BattleTech. Oh, there are no curves in BattleTech. Look, looks pretty. Look, that's fine, but why are there curves on them? Uh, I would have to measure and see and see if it actually like affects. I don't know. I don't know. They look pretty. I'm just a little surprised that they're that big rather than be literally hex sized. Yeah. Yeah, like they the, could have done hex size. My, that is my main confusion looking at this box set was there was a distinct choice to not use base measurement size for everything else in Battletech, which is the 1.25 inch hex. Yeah, you could definitely get uh, multiple mechs partially on these these objective tokens Okay, if you needed to. So for probably for contesting reasons, you could actually have, uh, if you wanted to, you know, the more mechs that are, you know, whoever has the most mechs on the objective or touching the objective gets the point for that. The morest mechs. The morest mechs. They could do a good job of of talking about the different mechs and talking about the roles that the different mechs will have. So a new player will be able to be like, oh, well, this is, you know, this type of mech is great for for running around and harassing. And this kind of mech is, is a, you know, is a brawler and this is what a brawler means so dasher it's, it's a battle armor taxi mental note it, battle armor not included that, i was gonna say asterisk battle armor not included yeah that that dasher goes so fast and i was just telling my opponent you know you're lucky you're lucky that this box doesn't have elementals because this is how you would use that it also comes with a bunch of terrain it's got a bunch of different sized buildings and a bunch of trees and in the book it tells you multiple ways of using the trees to create forest areas i hate their first one but the second and third one are are really really great so the first one is just that is a tree you cannot stop like on the tree two inches around the tree for line of sight purposes counts as shooting through woods but there's no standing in woods because it's just a tree i like it better where because it comes with 10 trees and uh, it says, you know, if you set them up in a triangle or a square, that designates a forest zone. So any anything in that area, you are in the woods, which is more how we would do it. I like more that. how we have done because I was yeah. I was wondering how they were going to use like you can't block off like a one foot by one foot area like a what a classic wood would be. But yeah. telling them to like, hey, put them in the, like draw the corners like trigonometry right. it. And the other, the other one was, you know, get some green construction paper or felt and just, you know, use those as the forest and put a couple trees on there to show that it's trees. Oh, my God. That's um, how I do it at my house. Yeah. But in the in the game we played, um, we set up uh, two triangles and one square of woods that were, you know, like four to five inches on each side just to have some good zones. And it, that worked out super well. That's good. What, that's one of my biggest complaints about playing Alpha Strike is because most people play wood so small, like I'm talking like maybe a two inch by two inch block it's, of yeah, woods that's that like too tiny it's too tiny or it's like a small strip and it's very thin because oh it blocks it like 
so much so like x-wing style and i'm like no because your dasher can go around it and it's only lost one or two inches he needs to lose like he needs to choose between going through and losing like 10 inches of his movement or going around and not being where he wants to be yeah so so the way they suggest with making zones by cornering it it's it's great because you don't have a lot of trees in the way but you know you're there's no question about who's in the woods and who's not it was very easy to tell in our game that's good Uh, Yep, super, super good. It also comes with a bunch of cardboard buildings. Don't take long at all to put together um, or break down. Uh, and, and it's a lot. Like, it's it's not just a couple. It's um, 15 different buildings, nine small and six large. So the, the small ones can be as little as, you know, they're, they're little like level one that are an inch on each side. Or some of the bigger ones are like level five. And and then, are, you know, they're four or five inches. It's just a little side. building. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the big problem I have with them is that once you've set them up and then you break them back down and put them in the box, they're a lot puffier, so they don't lay as flat. <laughs> so so for a while, you got to put like another book on the lid to, to make the lid squish down. The trees are, are a heavy cardboard stock, kind of like what we call the, the paper doll mechs that come in the, in the, uh, yeah, the, the box sets. It, it's that type of cardboard, so you have to be careful not not to break the legs of the trees. Two trees go together to make kind of a kind of a, a stabilized tree that that stays standing. But I can see that if you're not careful and you break it, it could become a lot less stable pretty fast. But that's my only complaint with any of the train at all. Uh, the buildings are all fine, um, solid enough to to put mechs on easily and not have any problems with it, and the trees look good. But putting them together and taking them apart, if you're not careful, you might break one. Yeah. I mean, you could glue it or tape it back, but it's just it's just something once, to be aware of. Once you ruin it, it's ruined, though. Yeah. So well, be I mean, gentle. Th- this this box set is here for for all my demo games, so it is the one that I will be really using a lot, and I'm going to see, you know, in public play, how long do these things last? So you know, give me a few weeks or months, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it held up later. We're definitely but, uh, the podcast that prefers to run something through all of its paces and then give our opinion. Yes. And from what I've seen, like this box is definitely worth the uh, the entry price. MSRP is 80, but a lot of places have been selling it for, for 70. Maybe just be like Christmas sales or whatever. But um, even at 80, 100% worth the price. 100%, in my opinion. No, I mean, that's good. I like that they decided to put out a kind of discrete two faction bo- two player box set where you know if you want to you could split it with someone yeah I mean, for forty dollars you can have you know two lances or a star and then of course the guy with a star gets more terrain so it's 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 easily split between two players if you really right. want it and even if like you don't play alpha strike it's still you know the the mechs are good because it's like six dollars a mech just over six dollars a mech so even if you just got it you throw everything away except for the mechs it's not horrible. How do we feel about the competitive nature of this box set? Like if this was because I've seen a lot of people go to tournaments and literally the only mechs they have are the a game of armor combat box set or clan invasion box set. I think these mechs would be a great addition to those mechs. I mean, you've got big ones like the Atlas and the, the Massacari, um, but you also have the workhorses like the Wraith. The Wraith is a fantastic Alpha Strike mech. It's a fantastic one. It's it's fast. It's got you know decent weapons. It can definitely grab those objectives. 
And then they throw a couple more in there to really show you how speed works. Now, uh, the Locust, the Locust is in the Game of Armored Combat, so they would have two of those, of course. I, I think it's a good selection of mechs. It's, I would love to see more people using those instead of just the, the, the Game of Armored Combat. Now, I'm pretty sure one of our listeners, Cryo, added up all the points, and it's like just over 250 for each faction's set. Uh, sort of true, sort of not true. The inner sphere, on if you add up the eight mechs on there, is significantly higher than the clan forces until you give the clan forces, average them out at, at skill three and the inner sphere at skill four. And then it comes a lot closer to even. But I, I think it's closer to like like 280 points if you add everything up. Really? I could have swore he... T- that each variant, like he did the variant in the box set. Well, there's two variants for each. Okay. Oh, you mean like that that specific model as that variant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't do that. I just picked the the highest the highest point number on either side of the card. Okay. And added them up. No, I like and then, that. Uh, yeah, but but you have to you have to give the clan the clan forces a lower skill to equal you know to to get them closer to the point value of the inner sphere. Are the cards in it giving clan skill three and inner sphere skill four? The, the cards don't have, like, it's got a blank spot for really? the skill okay. because all of the scenarios that, that are in the book, they will say, okay, this mech gets this skill, this mech gets this skill. So the scenarios in there are already balanced for skill, but it does tell you how to how to do your own skill modifications, um, you know, as part of the teaching you how to play Alpha Strike. So it says, you know, for every skill level you go up, it's going to be this many more points to your card. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So I do. I do like that. I, I like that they don't just say this mech is for is skill level four. It doesn't. It doesn't say anything. So, but not every mission is like all the clan mechs versus all the inner sphere mechs. Oh, correct. They either say you are going to use these forces for this particular match, or it says pick two hundred and fifty skill points worth of units from your from your forces. Okay. So yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't for this box set. It doesn't go over two fifty. I think. I think if it were to do that, it would just basically be you picking all of the mechs every single time, no matter what. Whereas two fifty will give you a little bit of a little bit of wiggle room to to pick a few certain mechs and change the skill levels if you wanted to. That's good because I always think like if you're playing below like a two hundred two fifty point value, like there's not enough. It's too fast. It's it's, it's too fast. Right. If you don't have enough mechs in Alpha Strike, they die so quickly. The momentum would be overwhelming too, you know, too fast. Yeah. Like, oh, I just learned what this mech does and it's dead. Yep. <laughs> and that's and the game. Dead. Especially if you're playing with the straight rules where you roll one die and you do that much damage. Um, you know, so a Timberwolf would do like six or seven damage on a hit and on a miss, it does nothing. You know, it would just delete a mech every turn. That would make a small number of units. It would just be crazy. It would be like, okay, you know, 15 minutes, this game's over. We already know it's over. You you blew up three of my guys. I only had four. So what's what's the point? Yeah, Alpha Strike needs larger numbers. It just does. Yeah. And this is, this is the good part. What about the reference sheet? Oh, yeah, the reference sheet. It is definitely a, uh, a quick start rules type ref- reference sheet. Okay, so um, this isn't one like I could use for everything like the classic one. No, it's it's uh, front and back, but the tables are pretty big because it's, it's only the stuff that you would need for, for mech-on-mech action. Okay. Well, know, I mean, it's got your, your movement cost, your range table, 
the the crit stuff, the attack modifiers talks about the buildings in case you're, you know, you want to play with destructible buildings. It does have stuff for that. And it has the battlefield support table on it. It also has a cheat sheet of the most common special abilities that are in this box set. You know, like what is case? What is case two? What does ENE mean? It's got all that stuff on the, on the reference card. So this box set is entirely designed to use regular multiple attack rules or single attack rules. It, it has the single attack rules as the main the main rules, but it has the optional rules in there for the multiple att- attack rules. Yes, hmm. because that is you know that is the official stance of of Alpha Strike. Can it be the official wrong stance? Yeah, I I think it. A lot of people who really <laughs> like Alpha Strike say that um, that it should not be played with the multiple attack rules because that's what's making the games take longer. You know, people who like that tend to be the classic, you know, the people who play classic and don't mind it taking longer. But if you want to do a company on company and under two hours, you play with one attack for all damage, a single attack. I mean, Um, I could understand that, but I feel like at that points level at the 200 to 300 level, I think you're fine using multiple attack rolls. I agree with that. I wanted to make sure they included that and I wanted to know how they presented that. Yeah, they present it in under the combat phase in an optional block on on page twenty one on how to do multiple attack rolls. the 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 problem that I have with the the official stance on multiple attack rolls, though, is that like when we were at Nova, you picked your critical dice, mm-hmm. and if those dice rolled twelves, then you got a critical hit. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what other dice rolled twelve. You know, that's just a hit. Yeah. Their official rules is if any of the pairs roll a 12, then it's a critical hit, but you can only get one per, per attack. Yeah. Like per attack phase. So, so if you rolled like four sixes, so you got like several groups of 12, you only did one critical hit, not multiple ones, but that means a mech that does seven attack has seven times more likely to get a crit than, than a mech that, uh, that only has one attack. And that's, that doesn't seem right to me. It's uh, I, I don't mathematically, I don't like that. And I think that's why regionally, like the Virginia, Carolina slash little even more west of and then that prefer to use the single dice roll because they're like, yeah, we understand that we don't like single attack rolls. We like multiple attack rolls, but we also don't want to just do buckets of crits. Right, because then it would be a priority to get mechs that do, you know, large amounts of damage just just to make them crit boats but that's fine like that's that's i think at this level it's it's not something that would affect the game because it's only 250 points it's not going to affect the game that dramatically at this level okay so that's something that that people can say oh i know how to play this game but when i go to a tournament here are the like the official tournament rules that i need to to make myself aware of because even even how they did it at nova compared to southern assault was different so it didn't matter you still have to go find out what your tournament venues rules are no matter what at least you have an idea of what it's based on that's good uh, it also came with with a novella just like all the other box sets <laughs> i keep mine in my car and, for when i'm lonely that's right so uh th- so officially this box set is the jade falcons versus the northwind highlanders if you want to get started with a paint scheme that's the one that it that it tells you to use in the in the uh, inbox fiction, but obviously paint them whatever you want. Yeah, I'll be doing Merrick as the Inner Sphere forces, and either Jade Falcon or Wolf, whichever I decide to do. I'm sorry. 
Can't have two Merrick players here on the podcast. That's just too much. No, I'm not a Merrick player, but I will have a Merrick force to yeah, put on the field. Yeah, that's still too much. Ha. Okay, so overall, if we were to rate this box set compared to the a Game of Armor Combat and Clan Evasion. For, for an Alpha Strike box set, it covers every single base. It covers all the bases. It's not horribly expensive, especially for everything that you get. Like my my only complaints at all are maybe the trees will get broken faster than the rest of the terrain. And yeah, three of the mechs are, are duplicates, which you can't really do too much about that. But out of 13 mechs, only three, that, that's not too bad. Every faction, every faction uses Timberwolves. I don't know why, but they do. I, I did want it to be an official Timberwolf A uh, miniature. I did. Stop with the A. I they did. won't give you the A. Every time you ask for the A, they reset the clock. And I've seen, like, I've seen that they have an official model, like the artwork. The artwork is out there. They, they have made a uh, a mini for it. I know that they have. Sought for pictures for pictures from one of the cons on Facebook or something like that. Um, I have seen it, and but it's not a no, production. No. It's not a production model yet. Yeah, yeah. Because every time you ask, they say nope. Another six yeah. months. Another six months. All Sucks. right. I, I love this box set. I, I for what it is, I give it a ten out of ten. Okay. No, that's not, good. Nine point nine point five, maybe nine point five out of ten. Point five better trees next time. I don't know how they would be able to make them better though that's the problem just strips like pieces of paper but i i you know it's that's the that's the weak point of the train is the is the trees though they look great they look fantastic i've got a couple pictures from our match that i'll put up on the discord so people can can take a look at that the mechs sadly are not painted yet but everything else looks fantastic okay the inclusion of the battlefield support super super great idea love that idea i'll have to try those out i wonder if that'll be more of a stable for like competitive tournament play now yeah yeah i i can see putting them in tournaments that it, it, it's it's just another layer i i don't see anything wrong with that i would rather they do that than add like um the pilot cards because they do they do come with pilot cards for all of the mechs they've got the alpha strike cards and the pilot cards and the battlefield support deck but uh you know oblique attacker is still broken they just refuse to admit they made a mistake. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's okay. What about formation abilities? Do they push formation abilities in this? They have that information at the back of the book. Like after you've played a couple scenarios, then they mention the formations, um, what the requirements are, the ideal roles, then, then what kind of bonus abilities. Some of those are just like what I consider super powerful. So like the battle star, the, the battle lancer or the battle star. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bonus ability is this formation receives a number of uses of the lucky ability equal to two plus the starting number of mechs in this formation. So if it's a lance, six times during the game, you get to re-roll your, your attack roll. That's a lot. It is. Six times. Seven if you're, if you're a star. That's a lot. That's too much. That's a whole lot. Especially if you're playing it where it's an all or nothing type thing. You know, if, if you only need a five or a six with, oh, your, with your Timberwolf and you roll and you roll that four and you're like, nope, I'm re-rolling that one. <laughs> Game over, man. Yeah, it's it's. But don't knock it till you tried it. You know, play a few times with it and decide uh, and decide if that's something that you like. Let us know if you like it or not. That's right. That's right. The, the Alpha Strike box set lets you go from very basic, easy, simple rule missions up to very deep. You know, it gives you all the tools that you need to decide how deep down the, the alpha strike rabbit hole you want to go. And, and it gives you all that information. Uh, next steps for it, of course, would be getting uh, the alpha strike commander's edition 
hardback rule rule set because that adds in your you know your infantry your troop transports your your aerospace fighters and all the other abilities that that uh, are associated with those and then uh, of course all of the the miniatures that are out there are compatible with uh, with classic and alpha strike so you know grab some grab some battle armor grab some infantry grab some vehicles and build your forces so if you've got an Alpha Strike box set or we're waiting until after Christmas, you can find those at Fortress Miniatures and Games. You can also pick up those battle armor for your dashers, combat vehicles for your Aerodonny light horse, and new mechs to make your force your own. Any uh, any specific questions you've got about uh, anything that I touched on? No, I think that covers it all. All right. All right. Well, that's enough reviewing the Alpha Strike box set. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back, see if anyone slid into Dustin's cockpit while we were gone. Star Colonel Catherine, how do I grow up big and strong like you? Well, Star, you must fight well and be honorable in your Sipco. But most importantly, you must remember to eat all of your Karinskios. They are packed full of protein and power in every bite to make sure that you grow up to be the best warrior. I want to be the best, just like the Great Father when I grow up and get my blood name. Indeed, Karinskios. They are clantastic! So before we do our podcast and Battletech year in review, we are doing a rule in review this year. All this came about because I found in my looking through Battletech history was a quote from the Battle Mech Manual input on the Battletech forums where Randall Bills actually posted essentially asking the community for help compiling the new Battle Mech Manual back in 2016. And it's one key part of it is, but now we'd like to hear from you. If you were leading this development, what rules would you want to see included from tactical operations or strategic operations or beyond? What rules would you absolutely not want to see? And I thought, you know what? We can change things. We we can build Battle Mech Manual 2 or maybe Total Warfare 2. That might be a better way to say it. Today, we have the esteemed guest of the show and unfortunate college friend of Denim himself. We have Dan interviewing for the Dustin hot seat this week. I've got to say, Josh, your uh, application for you know the new Mech Warrior on the team. The first question should not be, "Does your name begin with a D?" It just shouldn't. Look, I don't make the rules. HR makes the rules. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, gentlemen. Doing great. Long time listener, first time caller. Is, is that a thing people yeah. say? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, love, love the, the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So you are the, quote, Dan from the episode 13, Dan's Sheets from Pimp My Mech, the, yes. all the scribbles and pieces of paper. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to this day, any mech that I create, I always check that list first to make sure that I am actually building an efficient chassis. So it has uh, definitely been put through its paces. We don't want to talk about how old that list is. <laughs> it is older era. than many of our listeners, I promise. Ah, Sad so when you say a list, it's like Moses's two stone tablets that came <laughs> down from the battle droids. We wish rocks take. had been invented. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we all know Denim's history with the game, but what is Dan the Man's history with the Battletech universe? Yeah, yeah. So I would say my history is not very typical. It goes back originally to a, a video game system, I guess I'll call it, 
there was this uh, Battletech platform that was part of this virtual world's VR center in the very, very early days of VR. And uh, it was pretty funny. Um, it, I mean, it, it was amazing for what it was at the time, but uh, they had these intro videos for it. One of them had uh, Judge Reinhold in it. And uh, they said like, like Belushi in it too, didn't they? Yes. I feel like yes. I've seen this. Like I've yeah. seen clips of the John Belushi battle tech. I think it was Jim yes. Belushi. Oh, sorry. One of the Belushis. Yes. Yeah. One Jim. of them. I'm not sure. The one that's still alive. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I played quite a bit of uh, the battle tech simulator there. And uh, my, First year of college, I I trying to remember. I like randomly stumbled upon some flyer or something for a BattleTech group that gets together. And um, sadly, I can't say that Denim introduced me to BattleTech exactly because I was technically already playing BattleTech by the time I met him. But if I'm remembering it right, and Denim might chime in to dust off my memories a little bit here, but I was at this uh, Battletech get-together, and Denim and I were both playing games separately. And I think we were both so frustrated and dissatisfied with the groups that we were playing with that we decided to break from both and start our own game, if I'm remembering that right, Denim? Yeah, what I remember is there was a there was like a battalion on battalion classic. I mean, it wasn't classic back then. It was just Battletech. <laughs> uh, a lot of 3025 battalion on battalion and so it was a good 45 50 minutes between turns and so we were just standing around there and and this guy who was in the room also standing around we were kind of chatting and then i believe you said hey i've got some stuff here do you have anything and i'm like yeah i've got these books and these maps and we're like for the record the stuff was battle tech paraphernalia (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, that's true (laughs) true some battle tech stuff and then uh we decided to just go to an empty room and start up our own game and it was way more fun yeah, and i think we yeah. ended up doing that like once a week forever i'm pretty sure i saw the same movie on the hallmark channel <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes there's so many battle tech hallmark movies the battle tech uh muse and mush that was going on where we would go in there after dinner and yes. we're like okay we're just gonna check on our check on our stuff for like 10 minutes and it would come out as the sun was rising yeah and like, crap. you'd hear the just, birds chirping as we left the computer lab it was we just walked straight to rough. our first class <laughs> oh god it was bad <laughs> yeah it was so bad decisions were made but uh but yeah that was basically how i it was introduced to the Battletech board game was in college, just kind of um, kept, you know, expanding on it and learning more about the game. And I'd say I got very into the designing mechs part of the game and uh, became a bit of a shameless min-maxer, I'll admit. Shamelessly. Um, yeah, shameless. But I, I did enjoy, you know, trying to see what I could do with mechs and uh, kind of make them as efficient as possible is really what I got into. Okay. No, I mean, there's, I know Denim is, I want to say, like, at his core, like, he doesn't realize he's doing efficiency drills, mm-hmm. but there are two kinds of battle players. The efficiency is the goal of the game, and the other half of the players are the, the story and the narratives is the core of the game 
Yeah, I, I think Denim and I both are uh, in the same camp of playing to win, but but Denim is a great storyteller too. I gotta say so. Um, right, you were in my he, very first uh, RPG, the Beck Warrior RPG I ever I ever yeah. ran. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I yeah. remember it well, sir. <laughs> That's right. That, <laughs> there was a that, lot that happened. <laughs> Not all of it was good. <laughs> let's uh, let's save that one for an after dark episode. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So, out of all of your BattleTech history, do you have any like favorite parts that like keep you coming back or keep you staying in the universe? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know if there's any specific part of BattleTech that really keeps me uh, engaged, but I think just the interesting things that happen when you throw together enough random elements and, you know, just some of those memorable cinematic moments that can happen where, you know, no one involved really predicted that outcome um, is kind of what I live for, I guess, is having those fun things that we can all like laugh and tell stories about months and years later. And so I think that's that's what I love about Battletech is just the the memories and stories that come out of it. It's a story generation game. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, you know, with all of my talk of, you know, being efficient and wanting to win, I think at, at the end, it's the, the stories that remain that matter. No, that, that's excellent. I, I love that. Unfortunately, to turn that, you know, heartwarming story to on the other <laughs> hand. Um, you're here today, not as much to interview for the Dustin's hot seat because that t- seat is too sticky and needs to be, you know, thrown into the fusion reactor. Oh boy! <laughs> um, you're here today because we wanted someone to play the everyman that wasn't us for our hypothetical. If we were to restart the rules and kind of just dis- redesign the game from the ground up. What would we take that already exists in the current edition of Battletech? What would we, you know, go back to like the previous original original edition, and what would we change completely? Because right. so we're talking about like like beyond just errata, beyond you know some tweaks. This is tear down the house and build it, build a new one. Would right. you, you know, <laughs> keep the fireplace mantle because you like that, or would you build it all again and not even have the fireplace kind of thing? Oh, we're going all electric, yeah. <laughs> but yes yeah, so like i said you're here in the place of the everyman or every dan i should say absolutely you could say there's a little dan in all of us right now <laughs> you could say that but i don't know if it'd be a good idea <laughs> <laughs> hey it was college i was young i needed the money <laughs> oh god <laughs> Shh, denim <laughs> All right, All right, so so Dan and I have played for a long time. Long time? A long time. A long, how, long time. How long time are we talking? What, when when did we... Don't, get, was don't give me a year. Give me give me a historical figure in, in, in a world war. Like a total right. number of years? Who was who president then, Dan? <laughs> was it Reagan? No. No. <laughs> I know, I'm thinking. <laughs> Jefferson, maybe? <laughs> no no it was one of the bushes it was a bushy president (laughs) yeah but yeah the the number of years i'm trying to think of how to put that into context um in the battle tech world um it it would 
it'd be quite a number of BattleTech wars, I would say. All right, so let's start the foundation of our lovely BattleTech Bible rule set. What are we specifically breaking down in the core rules section? First, you could argue that everything in the book is core rules because, like Battle Mech Manual, there's only a few optional rules. Right. Yeah, agreed. Everything in the Battle Mech Manual is core rules. Um, I would say we're, we're not specifically going after like the the alternate uh, the the, the tech ops or anything like that. No. So total warfare. Battle mech manual stuff like that, like the like the the main core of it. Um, now, one of the reasons why I wanted Dan on here is because he and I think about the game differently. I I tend to look at BattleTech like I take the rules as as an artificial set of constraints, and I learn those rules uh, and turn it into a puzzle game. So so when I try to win, I try and come up with with plots and plans and strategies that fit within those constraints. So I'm a very inside the box thinker when it comes to BattleTech. Therefore, I don't think about how to change the rules. I think about how to change my tactics. Uh, Dan, on the other hand, since day one, I would say, was always a, yeah, but wouldn't it make more sense if, or if we just changed this a little bit in this table. So I knew immediately when we, uh, when we were looking at this episode, I need some backup. So Dan. <laughs> yeah. I think I was definitely pushing house rules right out the gate and to give things of this is this is a great, amazing game system and I love it, but how can we make it better? And I think for me, a lot of it I think of in terms of like what is breaking the immersion for me, you know, like what feels clumsy or heavy handed where it's, you know, feeling more like a clunky set of rules um that's not really telling the story in the way that that makes sense to me and like how to make things smoother and avoiding basically trying to turn things into smooth curves instead of clunky kind of steps that interrupt the the, the flow of the game Oh, I know exactly what you're referring to right there. I'm not going <laughs> to jump ahead yet, but uh, but I know exactly the stair stepping kind of of annoyances. Mm-hmm. Like you complain about it all the time. So. I I do complain <laughs> a lot. <laughs> That's true. Let's start at the top. Core rule changes. Anything anything specific that that jumps out at you that you would that you would definitely change. Right, like if you could only change one thing, what would you start with? Well, I don't know if it's jumping ahead. Um, but for me, I think, you know, one of the things that gets under my skin are some of the things like the, the punch table specifically, where I don't like the idea that when the upper half of the, the mech is being fired at, suddenly it becomes six times easier to hit the head. So... To me, what what I would feel would make what's causing a lot of those kinds of issues are the dice system, where I think a lot of it is trying to conform to the D6 dice that's causing a lot of issues like that, where it's really limiting what we can do in terms of probability. So you're going to just start by throwing out the dice. Nice. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Take all the D6, just chuck them in the trash. Don't melt you them promise down. me 
you promised Forge. me the one thing that they wouldn't try to do is change D6s. Like, I'm contractually obligated by Catalyst <laughs> that we can't get rid of the D6 system. No, nope. we yeah, can add gone. more, but we can't get rid. <laughs> or just one big D36. Look, okay, everyone, I got I to stop you. No one wants to admit that the D36 is the best dice. Good Lord. That it has I would love it. All the probabilities of a 2d6 it does. a single dice roll. It does. I mean, yeah, you're going to have, you know, what, what, six sevens on there? How many sevens? That's a lot fine. of sevens. That's fine. That's no, okay. I know it's fine. I'm saying it would be it would be awesome. It would be epic. There's only one 12 and there's only one two. Yep. That's all you need. But, so instead of d6s then, Dan, what would you do? So I think there's some options. To me, the obvious one would be to switch to d10s. You know, that gives us a lot more uh, possibilities there where we're not stuck on, um, you know, one out of the faces resulting in a, a headshot on the punch table. You know, with D10s, it gives us, you know, like let's say you just want to roll one die for the punch table. It's now a one in 10 chance instead of a one in six. Um, but to me, I think the most efficient way, but it does bring with it complexity, would be to do percentage dice. And, you know, then you can really modify things at the level that you want. All right. So I do, like, every D&D dice set I have comes with percentile dice, which I almost never use. So I mm-hmm. could just take all of those and shove them on my Battletech box and actually have a use for these things. Yeah, just polish them off. and Like, everybody's go. got some. How how many percentile dice do you have, Josh? Uh, I've got I've got a decent amount. I use them for what is it? Dark Heresy, the RPG. So I need my like D one hundred, you know, scale. And all of my solo RPGs use D one hundreds for like all of the narrative rolling because they have giant charts with a hundred things on them. And it's like, okay, I I love that. I love a super granular narrative roll that I will never get. You know, this combination of rolls ever again. Because Battletech needs bigger tables. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but is that the thing? Is is a D6 wrong for a core rule or more for a narrative? Well, I, I see what he's saying about it being granular. Like it, it, it gives a more, a, it's smoothing out that curve. Because right now with, with 2D6, you only have 36 possibilities. So it's a stair step. Whereas a you know, nobody else can see that what I'm doing on the it's camera, but it it's makes sense. You're, you're doing but, but curvy motions with your hands. That's right. Please. <laughs> but uh percentile would, would smooth that out a lot. Yeah, I get it. It gives you more, more options, more possibilities, but, uh, but it does definitely make some crazy tables, but you know, even still like say there's, there's six different possibilities on the punch table. You could still have each, each result, each possibility as being a range. And, you know, so it's not really going to make the, the table any larger itself. It's just true, but the range is different. Range. All right. The range is going to be different. So, just so it's not in, all of them are one in six chance. It's you, you can, you can tweak it is what you're saying mm-hmm. so that, you know, the center torso is bigger. So it's got a bigger percentile range, even though it's only one of six possible options exactly maybe the center torso is a little he's easier to hit than the left or right torso or the arms and that table would accurately portray that mm-hmm. god so, makes sense i hate it yeah yeah but I, that's 
accuracy, I think is, is what, what I would like to see is, and that, that would get us, you know, a lot of mileage towards that. Every mech has its own unique hit table. And you have oh to, my god! Like, don't don't even <laughs> don't even get me started on that. That sounds. Tell me more, Josh. Tell me more about that. What do you have in mind? No, no, no. I I promised everyone I wouldn't do. I would get my D thirty six plug, and that was it. What would the Jenner hit table look like? Fifty percent oh, the right torso, fifty percent leg. <laughs> no, that, that, well, for like the punch table, it would be like it would be like eighty percent torso, and then the arms would be probably a smaller chance than the head. No, there'd be no chance <laughs> at the head because it's too low. It's too low. Every punch just goes right over it. It's kicking only. The head would be on the kick table for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the knee table now. In yeah, the oh, yeah. Battle tech. <laughs> Perfect. The knee table. But there are multiple. Like I don't want to say homebrew, but there are multiple side versions of people's battle tech that they've modified what is it the destiny system from death from above and guerrilla games use a d10 or other d system so it is not unheard of to have a non-d6 role in battle tech whether it be right. for just for two hit or for the whole thing but some of them just use a standard d12 and that's just wrong <laughs> that's just wrong people do that more yes, clicky clacks better on purpose. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's basically the same odds. No. <laughs> Send all your hate mail. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did we save this episode for the end of the year? It's the beginning of the year, Josh. I'm going to try to get it out into the year. <laughs> what? <laughs> I applaud that. Um, okay. Well, the percentile die and it's, it, it's uh, bell curviness. Uh, that that actually reminds me. I know we're going to jump around a little bit. That that reminds me of um, the one thing I know that bothers you. That uh, that kind of makes sense to me, but it's definitely part of the puzzle game that I play that you're not playing. Is um, <laughs> movement modifiers like TMMs, where where you get a a bonus once you move at three, five, seven, ten. Like you have to hit those tiers. If you if you move four or five, it's the same TMM. Um, and you don't you don't get that bonus until you until you move up a little bit, and I know that drives you crazy. It does, yeah. And I, I think that is the grognard versus non grognard uh, kind of factor that you're talking about. Where <laughs> I think you love uh, like flexing those, you know, trying to take advantage of those types of uh, inefficiencies within the game engine to uh, to work to your advantage. Well, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it it affects like like your mech design because you're not gonna you're not gonna favor a mech that jumps six over one that jumps five or seven because six is wasted in quotes because mm-hmm. there's no there's no extra bonus to jumping six where right. the the bonuses are at, when you hit five and seven. So, like every hex you move, you get an extra five percent to your defense dice hypothetical weird yeah. magic don't hit me dice roll and it's like mm-hmm. okay if you move 10 hexes you get 10 times 5 and that's 50% to your defense modifier and then right but if you move 9 hexes then it's it's 45. it's appropriate it's appropriately scaled yeah yeah i think it's about yeah keeping scale keeping things scaled to the right degree where you're not hitting these weird staggered steps where all of a sudden Ah yes, I've I've graduated to the next level, so I'm getting this bonus where I'm now harder to hit. You know, it's I I think it would 
kind of get people more thinking about positioning themselves more on the battlefield more than trying to hit those gates, you know, for their modifiers where you're just getting modifiers all along. It would definitely change the way that I would look at the, uh, the map. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that would be a bad thing. You know, like I, 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 it would definitely be change how you're thinking and that might be uncomfortable for sure. But I would like to be able to shift the focus to more battlefield positioning than uh, hitting those, those targets. This is, some, this is some campaign for North Africa stuff right now. Like next thing you know, I'm going to be like, all right, how much coolant was in your mech? I mean, I like it. I like, I like thinking about these because these, I had not ever thought to, you know, discreetly break up the movement to defense. And I don't think you could do that as well on a D6 system. Like I will admit that. Or, or you just add more D6s. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Step one, do most of these are changing to percentile die. Yeah, I, I feel uh, percentile die would be more elegant than, say, uh, 66s. Now, one of the Mech Warrior RPGs, I think it was the, the second uh, version, did introduce um, D10s and percentiles uh, into it, but then it, it got phased out again. So <laughs> I saw that happen, and I'm like, are they listening to Dan again? Is this the Piranha all over again? <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, the piranha. <laughs> Never forget clan jelly donut. <laughs> but no, I I don't think that would be an issue. I, I I think if you were to switch, I think that would be very interesting to do almost like a margin of, I don't want to say margin of failure, but like a margin of effort. Like the more you are doing something, the more you're awarded. It's not discrete steps. Right. Mm-hmm. So moving at seven, eight, and nine there, there is no benefit to moving eight or nine. There just isn't. Period. But on the tabletop, thankfully, there on classic maps, there are a lot of things where rarely will you have the perfect open field run across with no turning, no bushes or woods or rocks or whatever. Like, but people like me analyze the maps and we map out exactly how we're gonna go. So you it, dream it, about it these maps. <laughs> it's crazy. Unless you've got a mech that jumps ten. Yeah. That's what you need. Jumping's wrong. <laughs> what is it? What would jumping be? Seven percent per hex? Now he's, now he's got to think. He's like, is, yeah, is that enough? Like five percent was a walk. Yeah. No, because I there'd like be that. no difference between walk or run. There'd just be movement. Exactly. Yeah. How far yeah, do you move? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're walking or running. Because, and that was, I mean. No, no, I'm the one who's going for the old school rules. <laughs> yes. what I haven't had any problems. You're no, one, one of my problems was a, a locust versus a battle master. All right, a battle master running can only move six, but a locust walking can go eight. Why is that easier to shoot from than, than a battle master is at running? Because because the locust is actually moving a lot faster. It's still going up and down. Like there's no this arbitrary. Oh, the I was walking. Are calibrated for the walking speed of a locust, <laughs> sir. You should yeah. know this. You should no. know this. Uh, you know, it just has better shock absorption because it's a lighter, a lighter chassis. The reticule yeah, is bouncing around, and then it like <laughs> finally does that. Yeah, pings, and you just gotta hit it. Then the battle master is like moving around. He's fighting it. That's why. But yeah, no, arbitrary no, I, walking and running doesn't doesn't make any sense. I, I can't I can't do any more percentage. We got to move on. We got to uh, yeah, move yeah, yeah. on. Okay. 
All right, Denim, what, what's the next thing on the Battletech rules we're crucifying? Okay, well, um, let's see. All right, so um, let's get away from the whole D10 everything, because obviously uh, you believe that those are superior and you're starting to infect Josh, so I need to, I need to pull us oh, away no, from that now. Oh, no, no, no. My, my problem is I go the opposite direction. Like, cool, it's a D36, and, you know, <laughs> we've combined, oh, you want to roll less dice? Okay, then. You get one big hunky D thirty six dice with every probability on it. There's a zero percent chance I would be able to read the numbers on that die. <laughs> it's really I, big. I, it's like a boggle. It's, it's a big it would, die. You don't need like a magnifying glass once you roll that baby to. They're Bluetooth. They tell today? you what's on top. Uh, that's kind of gross, uh, but kind of cool. <laughs> um, <like> it. <laughs> your watch just tells you what it rolled. Yeah. Um. You, Dan, have probably designed more mechs than any person I know, um, which is really, yeah, yeah. I don't know that many people. People are gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you need to meet more people. <laughs> um, I remember you having some very interesting views on on how mech design and construction could be changed. And this was one of uh, one of my favorite conversations we had while driving from Chicago to North Carolina one year. Uh, and I believe that was the crit spaces scaled by tonnage idea that you had. Can you uh, tell us more about that? Yeah, so I think I always uh, struggled with the idea that in you know the the BattleTech universe, for whatever reason, the larger the mech, the more it struggled to find space for weapons and equipment. So for some odd reason, very tiny mechs had plenty of space to cram in as many lasers and weapons that it could fit tonnage-wise, but the larger mechs, for whatever reason, had no room for them. So my thinking was that the number of crit spaces in a mech should be scaled towards the mech tonnage. And of course, this would bring with it some inherent challenges where there would basically be different mech sheets based on mech tonnage so that would bring some pain with it for sure um i don't know you could glance across the table and more easily tell what the other person is fielding that's true yeah if you see this laundry list of crits in their in their arm there's obviously gonna be a bigger mech but the the idea basically is the current number of crits in a mech on the mech sheet there would represent a 50 ton mech so sorry did, did to are you saying that not by class like not by light uh, medium heavy and assault but but literally by tonnage like the crits are based on the tonnage itself not by the the class that would probably be something up for debate you know i i think it either way could could be beneficial you know depending on how granular you want to get with it but probably by class would would be more pleasant to deal with but Ideally, uh, you'd have a 100-ton mech would have twice as many crit spaces as a 50-ton mech, in theory. And then a 25-ton mech would have half of what a 50-ton mech would have. I This is where I do the, I understand what you're saying, but I also know that you don't need a big like suspension on a small car. You need a big suspension on a big car. And I feel like that's somewhat abstracted in the sheets. Like, like things are smaller, so you have the total percentage of crit space 
never changes. But this would make it so that a Hollander would be an impossibility. Because yeah. something that light just doesn't have the space to mount a weapon that large. Yeah, I guess in my mind, Josh, it'd be like the difference between like a, a box truck and a semi truck. You know, like there's scalability there so i i would like to see larger capacity to go along with it but yeah i I do get what you're saying with uh with there's certain implied mechanics there that aren't going to be detailed in a mech sheet that would eat up some of the space yeah Um, like there are definitely some mechs where like yeah this hand actuator is huge why is it the (laughs) same hand actuator size throughout all battle tech and i'm like well it's scaled like this sheet is actually the the piece of paper is twice as big for the big mech as it is the small mech and it yeah. has more armor blips what what you don't like careful you're gonna start telling me that that like engines should be different sizes based on their their engine rating like a tiny engine should only take up a tiny space in the cockpit look i don't know anything about your construction rules sir <laughs> i'm i am a user I'm a dumb mech jock. All I know how to do is run fast, eat ship, and cash in sea bills. So what you're saying, Denim, is in the real world that engines come in different sizes? That's crazy. Yeah, you got engine, you got XL engine, so they're 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 bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what XL stands for, right? It's bigger, right? Yeah. XL-A. I wear an extra large shirt, so <laughs> right xl engine is extra large it is not no but, but no i understand what you're saying to change the current construction rules but i do think that's i don't want to say that's not a rules thing that's a, like you'd have to reissue every sheet for mm-hmm. that but remember this is not this is not a revision of battletech rules this is battletech 2.0 so it's a whole new system therefore you could do this from the ground up yeah so it'll be all new mechs. I think you would get a lot of pushback on that because like, Oh, they can still ch- buy like, classic, classic battle. No, I, no, no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying like this whole episode is going to have pushback. What I'm talking about. Um, but for, like the Hollander, you'd have to like design, like this is a light mech Gauss rifle, which has less crits. And there are light Gauss rifles now, but now but that, the Hollander's Gauss rifle would have to be the Hollander class light Gauss rifle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is something that I, I have thought about, Josh, like with, well, you know, if we're scaling up and, you know, having more crits available for an assault mech, doesn't that mean like the actuators are also taking up twice as many crits? Because, you know, the, you the got hands twice are, as much Mimer in that heavy mech right, than you do a right, light mech. Right. 25 ton mech? Oh, yeah. That's like 100 feet of Mimer, like control cable. Go mm-hmm. to a 50 ton. That's like a mile of control cable. Unless it's like the the Ryokin with its little tiny hands, so yeah, you got like <laughs> one pull wire, like it's like a tendon. Yeah. It's like a crab. Like if you ever pulled the tendon on a crab claw, like that's all it is. Yeah. One one ribbon. Next thing you're gonna tell me is like change the tonnage of mechs to be more realistic and real world. Like Atlas is a three hundred fifty nine ton machine. Absolutely. I do think that the very first mech shouldn't have been like the heaviest they could make. Um, yeah, that I, was I, no. The only way to go is down. No one's right? ever done that before. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't the first mech have been like a ten-ton mech? Or yeah, it should be like a proto mech. Bro, don't you even start. Why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, the 
the, the crit spaces uh, being scaled by tonnage leads us into the whole sizes of mechs then. So so should they be different sizes? Could you uh, elaborate that a little bit? Like, Yeah, so like uh, pictures of a locust. Uh, mechs in the books, in the lore, which I am fond of, it says that a mech is between 7 and 16 meters tall. Well, 7 sounds like a level 1 building, and a 16 sounds like over a level 2 building. So... But all mechs are level two, all of them, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that that's something that could benefit from some tweaking where, you know, maybe light mech is just considered one level high and we have mediums and heavies that would be in there with just two levels high. And then you could have assaults that are three levels high and you'd have that, you know, scale of height that we would expect to see with with mechs what if i have like a really low to the ground assault mech like some of the quads that have just stumpy little legs like they're not they're not three levels high don't don't tell me they're as tall as that building when they can (laughs) walk through tunnels like they are they are one level high and they're just wide they take up a lot more space horizontally and Josh, I believe you and I both have an official catalyst mech that is uh three levels high we do yeah, and that's actually good. three levels high compared comparatively. The the tripod super heavies. Mm-hmm. What what are you telling me? Those are four level highs, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four and a half. You know. <laughs> four point five levels. Oh, so they four. get some partial cover there. <laughs> <laughs> Need a medium sized mountain to get partial cover. Man, that would change that would change light you know, scouting with light mechs so much because um because they could actually use the you know, the level one stuff is as total cover and actually be able to get in position without that worrying about uh, being destroyed in route. Then yeah, it's becoming guess... infected. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't. Mm. It's been a long time since it's been a long time since I've thought about this stuff. <laughs> it's been a long time since he's been infected. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, the other challenge too with, you know, if you have level one light maxes in, you know, they wouldn't be able to get partial cover. And, um, you know, if they're scouting, they wouldn't be able to hide behind a level one hill and still have line of sight to the enemy, you know, if we're trying to do tag or something of that nature. I just have to have one of the dashers who's got the upper, the, the arms that they go up and he's got yes. the tag laser on a hand. And it just, just the hands peeking up yeah. over the building. Yeah. <laughs> have all its sensors on its hands. It'll be great. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. The only thing I think of is some like ecm blackout and you can't communicate with the mech and you're like dasher dasher how are we doing over there and just like the arm comes up and it's just thumbs up just thumbs up above the thing you can't see anything else goes back down it's like all right dasher's good still there he's still there (laughs) but no i'm i would be more okay with that because i think that would introduce something that the game wants to like i think it's there it's underneath the hood Mm -hmm. with all the different levels of buildings and terrain and woods that mechs could be multiple levels like there would be more granularity there even if it was just light and medium or level one and heavy and assault or level two like that that would that would be able to be integrated easily and then if you were revising you could like all right this one is either just have a defensive percentage like this mech is inherently takes up this percentage of a hit box so it gets less height and narrowness stuff like that 
Yeah, it, it does bring some interesting questions. Like if you're an assault mech and you're behind a level one building, what happens? If you're behind a level two, you know, what happens? So I think the idea of partial cover would have to be more flexible, for sure. There'd be different types of partial cover. What's what's a chonky mech that we both loved in them? That would be both screwed and benefit from a revised level balance. You don't have any chonky boys? That you oh, yeah. Just... I mean, like like the Highlander, I, I think, of, but I don't know if you love the Highlander. Highlander's okay. I'm, I'm, I, like, I enjoy a Highlander occasionally. I think it would be affected by that probably in a bad way. <laughs> I was thinking like the urban mech imp flashman, you know, evolution. Oh, mech. like, all right, this is a, these are all like two levels, three levels high. And they also are, you know, level two horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> um, That would be what? 60 meters. No, <laughs> no level boys. levels. Yeah. Yeah. It would be bad. The annihilator, four levels tall, two levels wide. Oh man. He is a bit fat. <laughs> I'm sorry, big boned. There you go. Big armored, big, big endowed. All right. So, uh, so if we're talking about different sizes, then, um, then how about, uh, like physical attacks or, or taking damage? Any changes to those rules? Yeah, I think there's definitely a little more realism that we could bring into the physical combat phase. And, you know, I, the, you know, and we've, you've, I've heard you talk about this a number of times on the podcast where, you know, you can have a, a bunch of locusts swarm a, an assault mech and, you know, just have them kick away and he's rolling PSRs left and right. Yep. It's one of my favorite tactics and it's, it is kind of, <laughs> it is kind of cheesy slash mean, but uh, it is, it is a viable tactic. But uh, I, th- I think it, you know, could be valuable to take another look at the physical attacks and kind of scale that based on the, the size of the mech. So, you know, like if you're kicking another mech, maybe you only force a PSR on a mech that's your own weight class or lower. So uh, a light mech is only going to force a PSR on another light mech. But if it's kicking something heavier, then it's not going to be able to make that happen. Still does damage. It just doesn't knock them over. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to get that opportunity to to knock yeah. them down. Because you know when a locust kicks, it only does four points of damage, whereas a, a battlemaster does does seventeen points of damage. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. Right. Right. I mean, we already have a slight historical precedence for this, which is the what is it? Weight class modified PSR rules where assault mechs have an easier time standing still because they've got more mass. And, well, mass is harder to move with less mass and more less force. Oh, you're taking real physics and putting it into this game? What? That's a bad idea. The whole the whole jump ship, drop ship thing, it's just going to – the whole thing's going to fall apart, man. Well, Don't do it. Using one of my degrees for actual use? <laughs> no, never. Don't do it. I would never do that. Um so there is precedence for that. And I do like the idea of, you know, a light, like if you kick a locust, which is 50% leg, it it's goes down fly. really easy. <laughs> it if actually keeps an, going. It's a football. <laughs> and if a locust kicks an atlas, which is still roughly, you know, maybe 40% legs divided, you know, total, total leggage is 40%. Well, you know, comparatively, that's like 5% 
kicking, you know, 50%. No, no, you do not get your PSR, sir. I mean, I will go one more radical than you, and I say, get rid of PSRs for damage and kicks. Because mm. I'm trying mm. to speed up the game. And while, and while PSRs are fun, and I think everyone enjoys some of them, I think the magic 20% or 20 damage to hit... I think that that's that's an arbitrary number. Like, who picked twenty damage? Someone thirty years ago picked twenty damage. Yeah, that that came out when when there were only sixteen mechs and and I think what nine different weapons. Period. Yeah. So twenty points of damage was actually hard to do. Yeah, I would love to do the math and statistics on like, all right, twenty damage back in the day. Original sixteen was hitting. The- oh, inflation! We got to do damage inflation. Oh, yes, yes, it's twenty twenty two. I want some adjusted <laughs> damage numbers. Now I know you had some ideas about that as well, yeah. Dan, and I think I think a lot of those actually ended up in the uh, what the tactical operations advanced rules book. Maybe not one hundred percent, but uh, but close enough where it sounds like they were listening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think it makes sense to, um, you know, scale that 20 damage because 20 damage to a locust versus 20 damage to an atlas are going to be wildly different things in terms of uh, overall impact to the mech. Yeah, 20 points could be a third of the entire armor of of a locust. Right. Like a third of it. Whereas for for a battlemaster, it, you know, it's like half a percent. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think going along that those lines, it would make sense to scale them, you know, something more accurate to the overall tonnage of the mech. And, uh, you know, kind of along the same lines of my thinking with the, the critical spaces where it, it could be effective to have the uh, damage needed for a PCR to PSR. The, so I want to buy all this here. <laughs> the damage needed for a PSR would be scaled to the overall tonnage of the mech. So I, I think that could be something that, that could be valuable. Yeah. Because that would then give, like, okay, taking light mechs is good, but not OP. Like, taking a dasher that's just going to run and get behind something and kick it isn't going to be as effective as taking a combat purpose mech. Exactly. Right, yeah. Then you'd, ha- you'd have to do a little more thinking of, you know, what 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 am I going to expose this mech to? Because it's going to be way more susceptible to having to deal with PSRs versus something more durable. Yeah. No, I like that. But uh, we, so we were discussing floating crits and uh, floating crits is something else that I think could benefit from some more usage, uh, particularly on the punch and kick tables where there's no possibility of a possible uh, floating crit there. So, you know, it is, it is nice when you have that capability of getting a critical hit, even though you haven't punctured the, the armor on a mech. And it would be nice to see that on the punch and kick tables as well. Um, what is it? Uh, that one weapon, the lance? Nope, not the lance. What? It's not the lance? Don't, don't you give me no, like, retractable blade stuff. That's one. The retractable uh, blades, if you punch ah, someone with that. Yes. Yeah, if you punch someone with that, you get a you get a possible crit on the punch table. Do talons give you a possible crit no. on the kick table? No. Fuck. Just more damage. They're just, they're just on the Turquina for, like, a 30-point kick. Yeah, you like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. I love floating crits. I had one person at my last table last week 
because your rule in the store is it has to be unanimous at the table if it's used. Correct. And yeah. I don't mind if it's used, but it has to be unanimous. Yeah, I love that rule. I don't know why I feel like it brings a, a little something extra to the storytelling where just out of nowhere, there's a random crit somewhere on your mech. Yeah, it's not just in the center torso. Right. Um, yeah. But this person actually was like, no. And I was like, all right, cool. Then I'm hitting <laughs> hitting your engine th- twice. And the the player, this wasn't the player, but it was the table. And he was like, right. uh, I don't want to play it. And I was like, cool, you've screwed over this player because now his mech is crippled rather than just a shoulder and maybe a you know hand actuator. Right. I was like, no. Floating crits, I think, are better because that removes. And that's why Justin couldn't be here today because we were going to insult the golden BB. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought I heard him crying in the bathroom. No, that's the she shed, sir. Get it oh. right. <laughs> um, and that's something I don't like how, like, I accept that through crits is something mechanically, but if it has to happen, I don't want it to always hit the, quote, most protected part of the mech. Right, right. But, uh, I mean, the fact that it is an optional rule in the battle mech manual does mean that, that you know, it, a lot of people play with it enough that... um that it might as well be canon. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I do. What would be your like main thoughts on if someone else was like trying to do like either a homebrew revision in their local game area? Like what would be like your advice or like start here? Don't do this. Have fun with it. Kids. I think at the end of the day, like you have to think about what is, what makes the game fun for you and the people that you play with. And, you know, if there's parts of the game that that feel awkward and are painful to deal with and you want to simplify them, then that's the way to go for you. But if there's other ones that you feel need more detail and more realism and you have the patience to maybe, you know, work off of tables or other components that are going to be a little more complex, then, then you roll with it. But... You got to do what works best for you and your your group. If everyone loves the construction rules, don't mess with the construction rules. So if your only problem is floating crits or the 2D6 die system, then feel free to change that. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, Dan actually wrote up the the tables for, for the, the D10 percentiles. Um, like, so we had the tables. It, it frightens me to think of what we could have done if we had like iPads and, and laptops back then when we were doing this and actually had time and energy. You mean slide rules and, you know, rocks? Well, because yeah, we were just you know, we were in college, so we had nothing but free time, right? I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine the college parties you two had. Oh, man. <laughs> I think what we played uh, Axis and Allies. Oh, Axis and Allies. Yeah. Every every semester we play axes and allies in the basement so that's the kind of college parties we had yeah that's that's how wild it got <laughs> shame <laughs> anything else you can think of Dedham? is there anything you would change to whether to make the game simpler for people to get into it or you know oh they should have like an easier lighter version where where the like the the mech sheets are just a, like a playing card size oh no and all the damage is <laughs> It's it's turned just down to like divide by 10 like add up all the weapons divide by 10 and that's uh, a total damage you can do and you just roll one dice to see if you do all that damage right right that would that would really help a lot i think no, that would just be a better you, game no Make all the damage miss or all the damage hits yeah pure realism 
<laughs> no, I like I like the core game the way it is because that's what I know and that makes me happy. My OCD brain is is happy with this. I think my big takeaway is Dan is a born RPG player and that is the only thing that he wants out of a good game like this, a more like sim style game where he wants the full granularity is where the story is built. Well, it's got to make sense to Dan, in, yeah. my, in my opinion. <laughs> like, like at that point, he's rolling for every missile in the LRM volley. Yes. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> 20 LRMs, you roll 20 times. Yeah, we're already doing it for um for, for LB clusters. So, you know, why not LRM 20? Just roll, bring out that doom box, shake it up. Yeah, you completely eliminate the entire missile table. And you yeah. just roll 20 times. Perfect. Yeah. Done. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sold. That's it. Giving up this game. I mean, we had, was it one person on the Discord say they want rack rotary autocannon LBXs? And I was like, right. bro, right. do you just like rolling dice? Because that's all you're going to be doing. Rolling dice all night long. Like an auto shotgun. That's That's all that is. And everyone was like, Sir, you get the same number of shots as like yeah. LB twenty. Yeah, the the epic amounts of dice rolling does take its toll on your playgroup for sure. So that that is something not not to be underestimated. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Because I do know people who just bring one one pair of dice and they just want to do all the rolls one at a time. I mean, that's how the game's designed. It makes my eye twitch, twitch, twitch <laughs> when I see that. <laughs> But there's a better way. Can't expect him to show up with a whole bag of loaded dice, right? <laughs> That's I mean, right. Those are expensive. Right. I load all my dice, sir. <laughs> <laughs> load them all into my hands and then bless them to roll only 12s. <laughs> we, shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't keep this just amongst ourselves. We should throw this out to the Discord and ask them, what kind of changes would you want? Or, or if not, why not? Yeah. Why is it perfect? Just the way it is. Things are good. But they could be better. <laughs> but no, Dan, I would like to thank you for coming on tonight, talking about what rules you would build from the ground up to kind of change Battletech, to like give it a different flavor. I think that's the best way to, I could put it, maybe. Like keep it Battletech, but different yeah. flavor. You can always add a little spice to something or I don't know. I, I guess for me, I don't, I like the idea of being able to reconstruct something and, uh, you know, adding a little, like you said, flavor, a little spice to it never hurts. No. Now, is this sriracha? Is this like barbecue sauce? What would you call this? Yeah. What would you call like a percentile a... die battle tech? Hmm. You got my chocolate spider and my and my peanut butter urban mech. Ew. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not want to see what the defensive percentile die for a spider versus an urban mech would be. Like it's a, a sweet chili. Okay, sweet chili. The sweet chili sode. Anyone or anything you'd like to shout out, Dan? Thank you both for having me on board. I greatly appreciate it. It's always a fun time to chat with Denim about Battletech, and it was great speaking with you, Josh, and may the the Mech Bay live long and conquer many battlefields. Not at the rate we're going, but I appreciate the sentiment. (laughs) Hey! This is beginning a year three for us, man. Oh, God, no. It's like a year and eight months longer than I thought we'd make it. 
at five years, That's epic. I, get, I get my first hour of PTO I can use. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again. But thank you, Dan. All right, MechWarriors. It's been a wild 2022. Check us out next time on the MechBay podcast where we crack Dustin out of dropship jail, give our Battletech 2022 year in review, hobby roundup, and just what are our goals on 2023. Until next time, happy new year from the MechBay podcast to you. Mm-hmm.